Welcome to episode 183 of the No Proscenium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm Noah Nelson coming to you from the No Pro studio in Los Angeles, a.k.a. the dining room table in the apartment. Um, This episode is brought to you by listeners like you and our friends at Thymeli Arts in Los Angeles who provide NoPro with co-working space. Uh, Thymeli Arts, 8,000 square feet. In with multiple rehearsal rooms, a dance studio, reserved office and shared workspace located right off the 101 on the corner of Santa Monica and Western spot gives you easy access to downtown Glendale Studio City uh, and is a very popular place to both stage shows and to rehearse them. Uh, and also to throw workshops at and town halls. Family, uh, incredibly flexible. Thank you to John Henningsen for uh, giving us space literally giving us space and thank you all of our uh, patreon backers uh, who at this point in time are the sole financial backers of the show that's right we're back to that mode uh there are no no financial sponsors at the moment because um we're headed into a recession um don't tell anyone but like get your money out of the market now um anyway uh please i i (laughs) Luckily, uh, I have no stock trading license to lose. So you take that money out of the bank is what I'm trying to say. Gold. We're going for gold. Um, Hey, uh, this episode features, well, my voice has changed. This episode features our uh, friends, Lisa and David Spira from Room Escape Artist. Um, We've got two topics we're going to be diving into. Uh, The the fun, happy topic is that they've got two tours coming up this year. Uh, Their Escape Immerse Explore uh, tours in New Orleans and in San Francisco. Uh, But we kick off uh, the discussion and the bulk of the discussion is about um, the incident that happened in Poland uh, where there was a a tragic loss of life. Um, It was five teenage girls uh, who died uh, uh, because of a fire in an escape room. And that has radically changed uh, the atmosphere for escape rooms in Europe. Um, this is this is not easy material that we're diving into. So um, I just want you to be you know, prepared. This is a heavy episode. We, we come back to this material, uh, to these subjects, um, and touch base with them uh, as often as uh, we need to. Um, which is more, more often than is comfortable. Uh, that's nervous laughter you hear from me. Um, and, and maybe not as often as we should. Um, there's, there's a whole layer to this where, uh, I think some folks, maybe they just think like, I don't know that there's, there's a killjoy aspect to talking about this stuff. Um, but, uh, and, and that attitude, um, you know, sometimes it can just like lead to no problems whatsoever. And other times, uh, particularly if it's in the hands of people who are building things can lead to a lot of problems. So, uh, that's where we're going to go today. Um, quick shout out to our latest Patreon backer, uh, Quentin Eichen. Thank you so much. Uh, patreon.com slash no is how you back the show. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that 
uh, and, and the setup in the future of NoPro on the back end. But just want to note, you know, today was also a day where we just saw some massive rounds of layoffs uh, in the media industry. Uh, media is not a good business to be in. <laughs> I just want to point that out to everybody. Uh, if you want to do this professionally, um, you don't. You don't. But we're going to get to that on the back end of it. Um, and and talk about uh, talk about the future a little bit. What's what's going on? With no pro. What's uh, going on with me? What's going on with IDS? What's going on with everything? All right. Okay. Uh, the sustaining backers. And let's let's be very clear. We're not quitting at all. We need your help, and we definitely need the help of these gentlemen: Jan Bubman, Lonnie Hanson. Ari Hurston, Mark Balthazar, sorry, Mark, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. And with that, let's get into the episode. Again, sorry, it's a bummer, but um, can't all be flowers and puppies. Oh, man, that'd be nice. Hey, you two. Howdy. Hello. Um, we're, it's really late where you are. It's, well, not really late. What, it's like about 1040 where you are right now, right? Yeah, it's still early. Normally we would be just sitting down to write. Ah, so that's the, that's the room escape artist method. Like work, 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 go to a thing, and then get about 10 o'clock at night, finally settle in for the writing cycle. Yeah. That was yesterday. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, one of us starts writing, and the other one starts answering emails. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, my my thing's always like, I'm only really good for writing either when first thing in the morning, which is terrible because I'm not a morning person, or uh, while I'm walking. I've taken to uh, composing my reviews on my phone in in my actual writing app because uh, I have a of a version of on my phone but then i walk around and i compose them that way and it works really well actually I, i'm totally shocked as long as you don't walk into things <laughs> oh i started walking and reading when i was like five years old so like if i'm not looking at text while i'm moving something's terribly wrong oh you were so, that kid in school Mm-hmm. yep still am I, uh, I i could not walk and read at the same time if i could have i would me too uh, i couldn't yeah. do it I, oh, I love it so. I absolutely love it so. Like, only it's when I feel most alive. Um, <laughs> wow. It's always an odd way to start the show. Um, there's, we've had, we've had our, our humor warm up. Let's dive into something terribly serious. So um, there's been a bit of news that you guys have, have had to stay on since the top of the year. Uh, it broke, Wait, just like I think on, on January 2nd, we're recording this on January 23rd. You'll correct me on the date. January 5th. 5th. Okay. So we, we had, we're a few days into the year before this struck. But, um, but the, the, the story of the escape room in Poland and what happened there, for, for those who haven't been following along, and I think most everyone has, but just in case people haven't been following along, could you bring everybody up to speed? Yeah. So on January 5th, there was a fire in an escape room in Poland. This escape room was hosted in, it was effectively in someone's house and it was in their apartment. And um, five 15 year old girls died from carbon monoxide poisoning and one game master uh, was injured uh, was injured from the fire as well. Um, 
the the girls were locked in the room with absolutely no emergency exit no way to get out in fact their objective in the game was to find the door knob so they were completely trapped um the details are 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 really gruesome and i'm going to leave some of them out because they're just utterly heartbreaking uh but this really created a massive massive crisis within the escape room world where immediately the escape escape rooms in poland have been have been scrutinized heavily by regulators escape rooms all over europe in general are facing a heavy amount of scrutiny and depending upon the municipality a lot of um a lot of fire marshals within the united states have woken up to the to the fact that they need to pay attention to how fire code is being applied to escape rooms mm. do you know um just off the top of your head do you know some of the cities here in the states that have been mm. affected by it uh, I don't know offhand which ones, um, and it's it's one of those things that's even tough to to, to pinpoint. Right. Um, I know I know in in Europe, uh, in general, Germany has really cracked down, and they've been reviewing every single company. Um, it's that's where I've heard the most from is both Germany and of course Poland, right. um, where it's been a chaotic review process because there aren't really safety standards that exist that a fire marshal can look at and say this is what is absolutely necessary and enforce that so in absence of that each individual local fire marshal or their polish or german equivalent is deciding what's important and holding the companies in their municipality to effectively random standards and what we've heard from poland is that some companies that were really doing a honestly good job have been shut down um, and some companies that were clearly not doing a great job have been allowed to stay open. So it's it's just kind of a gigantic mess. Yeah, that reminds me a lot of what happened here on the West Coast when Ghost Ship happened uh, a few years back, back uh, end of 2016, um, which was the the warehouse fire in Oakland where there was a uh, a, a rave, uh, like an unlicensed party, and I mean, we're we're still feeling the ripple effects of that here in Los Angeles in terms of the way the permitting process goes. And um, I mean, there's, you know, it's with good cause that I mean, it's 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 easy for everyone to kind of go like, Oh God, no, like not building in safety, not the fire marshal. Like, why can't they all just like leave us alone to have our fun? And, but then something like this happens. Um, and there's just, there's just moments where it's like, but really like, that's why, that's why fire codes exist. You know, they, they aren't, they don't always make, I don't know. They don't make, they never make the most aesthetic sense right there are exit signs all over the house of eternal eternal return uh meow wolf's main attraction mm-hmm. um and it's like there's gosh i was i was looking actually at like a, a theme park designer like post somewhere uh i think it was like someone like explaining a nightmare or something where like the, oh, oh no the you know the the safety teams put another railing in Right, like just like totally messing up the the aesthetics of it all, but 
at the end of the day, right? You know, I hate to sound like someone's mom, but you know, it 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 can't be fun if someone dies, that's, right? Like, that's it. And and my my thing, if you are a creator who is feeling like this this you know adhering to fire code is creating massive problems for you, think you know five girls died in this fire, but also spare a thought for the escape room creator who thought he was putting together a business where people were going to have fun and he was going to make a little bit of money. And now he is going to have to spend the rest of his life with, with, with the lives of these girls on his conscience. Well, you hope, you hope they're on his conscience, right? Yeah. You know, um, from what, from what I've heard, he, this, the, the creator is, is a mess over this. Yeah. So, I I mean I know, I know what the reactions were, you know, here on the West Coast legally to Ghost Ship, and I know what policy wise, when we've had other safety concerns, what we've done at NoPro, right, in terms of, you know, when restraints or, you know, rough physical touch is involved, like we have some pretty, some some. We have some standards around what we're willing to publish even and what we're even to consider. What, if any, sort of things are, are you guys doing to sort of address this stuff head on? Because it's a, it's a weird role to be thrust into to suddenly have to be thinking not just of like aesthetic standards and artistic standards and like talking about design, but, but also aggressively talking about the safety of the audience. It, it is, and we talked a lot about it, about what we would do. And we came up with a system similar to what you have done to mark you know, content um, for different types of standards. And we've done the same thing. And so we have added to all of our escape room reviews. Um, in, no, in 2019. In 2019, yeah, moving forward. We're not, we're not backfilling this, but... Yeah. Um, starting in 2019 with what type of emergency exit exists in the escape room, whether that's their, the door is never locked. That would be the preferable one. Um, or there's a push to exit a bag lock that um, if power is cut to that, it automatically releases to open. Which is the industry standard really. Right. And then, you know, the next step would be an emergency key of some kind. There is a key, it's accessible, players know where it is, they can use it if they need to get out of the space. Yeah. Um, so, That's... and then we've, we've also done the same thing for restraints, which are also a factor in escape rooms. Although less common. Less common, absolutely. But yeah. we've seen we've seen restraints where the, there is a way to get out of them and one where there's not, it's accessible to the player in an emergency. Yeah, right. And one one of the things, and we you know we as soon as we published this, and you know, then people were scrutinizing the decision that we made, and were we covering the right things? Were we covering enough? You know, how far should this go? And where we landed is we wanted to be able to pick metrics that we would absolutely say, if everybody in the industry were to become, you know, were to make sure that their players were never locked in without a way of freeing themselves and never restrained without a way of freeing themselves, that escape rooms would be objectively and across the board safer. Um, and we wanted to have metrics where we could just simply evaluate and not have to get into minutia, not have to start, you know, like one of the things people were asking us about was, well, how many exits are there? 
you know, what, you know, how many exit doors do they have? And I, we didn't want to get into a position where we had to evaluate the value of an, of, of a door. And we're not fire inspectors and we're not lawyers and we're not, we're not experts in those things. We're players. And we, we felt that our standards were as a player, can I get out of this space? Okay. Yeah. The, the question comes down to is, does everybody have a fighting chance if there is a fire? And the truth is that that's, that's the, that's goal number one. Uh, You know, if a couple of years from now, everyone is meeting those standards, then maybe we want to talk about where this goes from there. But in the meantime, that's the first one. And, you know, to the emergency exit question, you know, what's the value of having two emergency exit doors? if They're right next to each other. You know, or if the second exit door is all the way at the end of the game and you don't have access to it until the final puzzle or something like that. So there's a lot of questions that like we just didn't we don't want to be the arbiters of, you know, of, of fire safety nuance. We have to yeah. assume that local officials are going to do their job, but we want to convey a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the, the when you get down to the minutiae of like, you know, two doors or one door and all that sort of stuff, like I, I you know, there's the those are building codes, right? You know, mm-hmm. building codes that just, you know, local designers will have to live up to. I mean, there's some things that just feel like common sense, right? And as someone who has been literally locked in an escape room while the power failed, right? Like the mag, the mag was, was not set up to pop if the power failed. Like we were straight up stuck. And they had to reboot everything to get us out because like something tripped early. That's that's weird because you actually have to go out of your way to set up a mag lock so that it doesn't unlock when the power is cut because those are electromagnets and I don't you know. need a battery I, I, backup. I, I, I do not know. I do that's not crazy. know how. Yeah. I don't know how it wound up that way, but it did. Um, wow. Yeah, it was... Or maybe they had to remove the whole system. In nevertheless, however it was, we were trapped in the dark. <laughs> um, I mean, luckily there was no fire or anything like that. But for like a good few minutes there, it was like, you know, if something wrong happens right now, we're screwed. So um, yeah, it's just it's. I don't know. I mean, this is this is. <laughs> the, the we live most- we live in an era where like where like nothing's regulated to the right degree, right? Oh. Things are either over-regulated or under-regulated and like neither of those things work. Right? That's my like, concern is, is that these are, this is going to just kick everything into an over-regulation mode that is going to sap out the creativity and opportunity yeah. um, for, for creators, uh, which means that there's less intrigue and interest for players. I think it's possible to, you know, apply some, basic standards that will cover most of the problems. Um, And there's niche cases and there's certainly nothing is going to be a hundred percent safe, but the bottom line is that businesses need to operate with a base level of safety. And one of those things is not locking your customers into the facility. I think that that's a perfectly reasonable and straightforward way of heading off the major problems. Yeah. And, and of course, there are thing, people who. Oh, go ahead, Lisa. Well, the other thing I want to to add about this is, um, if you know, we really want to encourage players um, and creators to uh, to comment on safety on you know games that we reviewed a while ago that were not 
backfilling, you know, if you play it tomorrow and you want to tell us, Hey, you know, this one doesn't lock you in. We want to know that we want to put that on the review because people are going to be looking for that information and we want to be able to share it, but not from our memory of two years ago. Yeah. That's a good thing. That's and that's a concrete step that people can take. Cause I think, I think the, the biggest thing that both creators and patrons should be thinking about is that they, they need to be active participants in the discussion about safety. They need to be active participants in discussions with, with the, the regulatory bodies that are going to be dealing with this. Right. It's one of the things that, you know, there's, there's a, there's a group of creators that are organized through Leia here in LA that deal with the city about permit stuff and are actively working on you know, addressing some of the concerns and sort of mixing it up with city officials about like just what should the event permits look like. We do that because if we're not an active part of those conversations, our concerns are just going to be completely steamrolled rollered over, particularly mm -hmm. when we're talking about, I mean, the thing about escape rooms, about intimate immersive theater is we're usually talking about either venues or events that are for eight, 10, a dozen, maybe two dozen people at a time. These are very small things and as I've come to understand the way cities think like they operate the scale of like, Oh, there's like three dozen, four dozen, there's a hundred people in this building, right? Yeah. Like occupancy for mm -hmm. them. Like you tell someone's like, Oh, well, this is just a 30 person speakeasy bar. They almost want to look at you. Like, why are you doing that? But we like have the same, we have the same in, in a different vein, the same problem with the escape room tours that we run when we go to buy insurance for them. The insurers are totally baffled by, you know, you're running a tour where you're taking, you know, two or three dozen people to other companies and, you know, you're doing what? You know, I'm why, surprised that like there isn't just an insurer out there who doesn't understand what a, what a tour is. No, like, it, it, like, it's amazing to me. It's, it's absolutely amazing to me. I, I mean, I guess. There's, there's got to be a company out there that does like. We, we can, we, we've gotten insurance it's just right. not it, it's we, yeah but the first time oh the, my god yeah and we still pay through the nose for it because we want to do things on the up and up right. but um it's it's crazy to me you know our, the, yeah the first, the first time, time i mean how much back and forth there was trying to explain what this right. was and, and what it wasn't and one of the things we were taking people to was um red or ready um which is the, which was this post-apocalyptic um, not quite a LARP, not quite immersive theater, not quite escape room. It kind of hybrid. existed in this hybrid yeah. realm. And it was really awesome. But the theme was that you were in, a, in this post-apocalyptic building. And the underwriter from the insurance company was freaking out that we were taking our customers to the apocalypse. And I'm like, well, one thing, it's 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 not real. It's it's, it's <laughs> yeah. One this, thing, this um, excuse me, sir. Um, uh, one thing, it's not real. Second thing, uh, post apocalypse, not the apocalypse. Right. Everyone right. who's going to die is um already dead. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. 
I, I the, the second thing is like there's this no is like insurance in the post-apocalypse. You don't need yeah, to worry. If they die there, they've agreed. Exactly. <laughs> this is, and then the other thing I was like, I'm so I'm on the phone with with our insurance agent, and I'm like, look, this is a, a business. They have their own insurance. I can give you proof of insurance. You know, they're 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 there to make money. They're not there to get anybody killed. Like this yeah. is, you know, these are legitimate. You know, there's there's nothing wrong here. And the underwriter was still just in, in such a tizzy. And eventually it, it all kind of worked out. But the amount of energy that we had to go through to it, it just expend to, to get insurance for this was insane. And especially given how innocuous the actual event was. Now, speaking of people who don't understand and having to explain it to them, I know that you guys wound up on the TV on that that box that lives in everyone's house that people play Fortnite on to yeah. talk about uh, what happened in Poland. So what, what was, how did that go? And, and were people, I mean, most, most television networks and cable networks have done plenty of like pieces about escape rooms at this point. So, but did it still felt like you were, you know, translating Klingons, Klingon for people or what? This was a this was a wild experience. This was live TV for um, Euro News um, and which is one of NBC, NBC's shows in Europe. And we, we had an email when we woke up. Of course, they're in Europe, so they've been awake a while. Um, asking us if we could be on TV in like two hours from that moment that we saw the email. So I woke David up and said, "Want to be on TV?" Yeah, and I figured if I if I don't speak up, someone else will, and they may not do as good a job. Um, so we set up our mic and our camera, and I did my best to stage our apartment for you know for for live TV, which um, and no prep at all. I I got dialed in an hour before the show to do an audio check, which lasted five seconds, and then. I got dialed in at the top of the hour um, for for the show. I sat there watching the live stream of of, of the show. They were talking about Brexit and um, the the hacking of all these German officials. And next up was the fire in the escape room, which was it was just weird to transition from these like global po- you know political issues um, to escape rooms. And I was greeted to a three or four minute piece. I don't know how long it was a short. It, it, I mean, this went by in, a, in the blink of an eye, but a really aggressive interview, um, which, you know, you, you know, as you mentioned, this has all been covered by, you know, by media, you know, tons of times. Um, and basically this was just a all out, you know, aggressive interview where pretty much it seemed like. Well, this guy wanted you to say that escape rooms favor the thrills over the safety and that this industry is choosing wrong. That's what he wanted David to say. And the truth is most escape rooms, at least in the, in the United States and in Western Europe, most aren't locking people in the way that, you know, three, four years ago, absolutely. Players were locked in. Safety was not really a thought, but in the last, you know, the last two, two years or so, that's kind of fallen by the wayside. And it's fairly rare that we find a game that is objectively like crazy unsafe. And we do put out reviews for those games and we've called we've them out. About it. But yeah. it's not that normal. Uh, but this interview, and we have a video of it on the site, it, 
it was really intense. And I just did my best to, to answer this guy as best as I could. And the bottom line was, you know, yeah, you should be escape rooms should be treated fire safety the same way that any other business should. Yeah. And most of them are. Yeah. I mean, this could have happened at, a, I mean, could have happened at a bar. It could have happened at like a lot, you know, a dry mm -hmm. cleaner, not necessarily five teenage girls, but like, you know, five people dying in a, in a, in a business fire is not unheard of. No, not at all. It's, it's always bad that, that it was happened when people were trying to have a birthday party or whatever it was they were there for, like is darkly horrible. Um, it's, it, it's the worst. This is, and we've been speaking on stages at escape room conferences for years. And every time we we've incorporated a section where we, we pretty much said, you know, with the number of escape rooms, operating in the world at some time somewhere there's going to be a fire it's inevitable fires happen and there have yeah. been fires mm -hmm. just not during operating hours right. there have been escape yeah. room companies that have burned down because of fires in adjacent buildings in the mm -hmm. building all yeah. it's it's, it's, it's happened it's happened three times in north america alone but the you know what we've been saying is at some point somewhere it's going to happen in an escape room where there is where there are players and we're hoping that when that inevitably happens, it'll be at a company that's operating with some semblance of safety standards. And the, the, the truth of what happened is that it was just, it was the absolute worst case scenario from the victims being five girls there to celebrate a birthday party to the fact that they were completely locked in and had no way out. Um, to the fact that the fire was started by a, by a gas uh, a gas powered space heater that had been leaking for over a week and people had complained in Google reviews that the place smelled of gas like oh, every single layer of like this shouldn't have happened is exactly what happened this was just the worst possible the only thing that could have made it worse was more victims right yeah well I just that there were so many warning signs and that yeah. I mean, well, and was it, was it a, basically, a, I mean, it sounded like it was, you said it was like, it sounds like it was out of someone's house or apartment. Yeah. Was it essentially totally unlicensed? So I was in Poland uh, about a year and a half ago to speak at the Polish escape room conference. I keynoted at it. And so I got to play a whole bunch of games in Poland. I got to speak to a whole bunch of Polish creators and players and the reality was when I was when I gave my safety spiel on stage at the end, a lot of people were coming up to me and saying, "In Poland, nobody really cares. It's you know, we just we just make it. We make it fun." Um, and that was definitely the vibe. It was you know, and, and we've heard a lot from you know, a lot of similar things from from some of the Russian owners and Russian creators, is that safety is very much an afterthought. Um, and there've been some gruesome injuries in some Russian escape rooms. Um, but the, you know, it wasn't something that people were caring that much about. And that pretty much changed overnight. And the question really remains, especially for Poland, is what is the size, scale and capacity of that industry moving forward? Um, yeah. How many of these companies are, we don't even know exactly how many will be open a month from now, let alone a year from now. It's, so, it's such a, I mean, 
we all know that there's a range of companies like here in the States in terms of professionalism and, you know, things that range from, oh, someone's popped something up at the edge of a storefront all the way to like, yeah, these folks own this multi, <laughs> multi, they basically own a strip mall, right? You know, it's yeah. like this strip mall uh, used to just be, used to be a bunch of stuff. Now it's just escape rooms. Uh, I'm, I don't know, I don't know of such a scenario, but I'm sure if it doesn't exist, it will shortly. There's, there's, um, there's some equivalent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the fact that there's there's that, I mean, that's the weird it's, thing about It's an industry that is maturing um, and, and it's changing and it's becoming more professional. Yeah. And the folks who aren't running professional businesses are, are falling off. And Most like, of them are. Yeah, and I well, and I think what the, I think the critical thing is is that it's not about it's not necessarily about you know the people who can't just can't hack it right, but about whether or not someone wants to hack it, whether exactly. or not someone wants to be professional, right, and not just half-assing their way through for yucks. That's exactly it, and if you if you want to make your games approachably safe, there are basic steps that can be taken that can just get it done. Um, your fire marshal may come in and take a look at what you've got and say, I want $25,000 worth of improvements made to the building. And that's a whole separate issue. Uh, but in terms of just achieving a, a, a respectable baseline level of safety, there's just a, there's a few things that you just aren't that complicated to to accomplish yeah namely don't lock for the start don't lock people in don't lock people in remove you know remove some carpets don't drape the walls and drape the place in stuff that's flammable like there's some basic stuff that you can do that isn't isn't all that crazy and isn't all that hard yeah um, and if, if people are feeling like, well, it doesn't, it isn't a real escape room if I'm not actually locked in, it's like, that, that's. Yeah. And then I would say reframe your concept of escape room as yeah. escape from your reality into this fun game room. <laughs> it's also, it's like, it's not like there are actually nuclear missiles that are going to launch at the end of 60 minutes. So like that's, what? you know, you're able to suspend your disbelief for that. Why can't you suspend your disbelief for a door no, lock? What are, you, what are you talking about? Like every yeah. time I play an escape room, the whole world's going to blow up if I don't get the codes. Oh, I'm sorry I spoiled it for you, Noah. Oh, shit, I, I, there, I, There's also no Santa Claus. Shut your mouth, It's, David it's just your parents. I'm so sorry. My parents were divorced before. No, anyway. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> gotta find some way to, like, get out of, like, the ultra-serious mode. Um, oh, there was going to be something, oh, there was something relevant, but I think, I think making, finding our sense of humor again is good, as because there's more to the show. Um, and it is a very hard segue from um, so there's been a tragedy to, so you're doing a tour again, uh, but that's the clunky segue we just made. Um, you guys have a couple of the tours coming up. Um, and there's, there's, there's no way to do a callback to the last segment. So I ain't going to try. Yeah, no, um, don't worry about so it. So what's there. Yeah, no, no, don't even think about it. Um, 
Hard so, right turn. <laughs> hard right turn. So New Orleans and uh, again, and uh, San Francisco this year. Yes. So we have two tours coming up. The, uh, the first one is going to be at, in San Francisco at Palace Games. Um, this is our first tour that's actually focusing on one specific company. It's at the beginning of June. Um, and we're really excited about this company um, because they have extraordinary games. Yeah, they're at the Palace of Fine Arts, um, which was a World's Fair, um, a World's Fair building. It's building itself, and, and the setting is gorgeous. Yeah, once um, the home of the Exploratorium, uh, yes. but I believe no longer. Uh, the Exploratorium, yes. I think, has moved on. Um, this company bill they have three games now they're going to have a fourth one open before the tour and this is a this company makes some of the finest and most unusual games we've seen anywhere in the world their games are gigantic and each one feels like it's like a game and a half to two um, worth of content and the level of immersion that they strive for is is phenomenal um, their games are all rooted in the World's Fair. Um, so they have the Houdini Room and the Roosevelt Room, uh, which is Theodore Roosevelt, uh, and the, the Edison Room. And each one has a completely unique twist on the escape room format. Um, they're highly immersive. The Edison Room, which is their latest until the next one opens, uh, is like living in a real-life video game. The stuff that they have done, the way that this room is constantly changing and adapting. Um, it has it, some of the most impressive technology we've ever seen. And it's beautiful. It's hidden and it's beautiful. It's it's really, it's just a work of art. Um, so we're, we got really excited about Palace Games. And we've had this dream for a while of organizing a tour there because the way they're priced is that you don't buy a per ticket, you buy a room and the rooms are expensive. Um, so most- And if you're a traveler to San Francisco and you wanna play one of these games and you're just there as a single person or a couple or maybe even three friends, um, you just can't afford to unless you know other people to bring because the rooms are really expensive and you're not gonna escape with a few people. You're not gonna see even half of what's going on. Right. So. Um, we wanted a tour so that traveling players could play with other people who really want to be there and experience these worlds. Yeah, so that's San Francisco. That's Palace, and it's it's just going to be so much fun. Uh, these games are are, are they're crazy, um, and we know a little bit about what's coming up in their fourth game, and it sounds it sounds kind of mind boggling what they built. So um, we're just just really excited about it. Nice. And then Narlands is a return trip. It is. Um, so we're going to, this, this tour was really popular. It sold out last year immediately and we ran an expansion and it sold out again. So uh, we wanted to bring it back because uh, a lot of people were clamoring to go this year and it's going to be visiting a lot of the same companies, including 13th gate in Baton Rouge, uh, which is most well known for Cutthroat Cavern, uh, this Goonies adventure, and as well as many of their the, other spectacular games. Thirteenth Gate is one of the top haunts in the world, and mm -hmm. their 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 build quality, the size and scale of what they create, 
Um, I don't care if you like escape rooms. Like I would, I would pay the price, the cost of admission just to go in and hang out in any of their games. I would go back and I already spent an hour in each of their games. Yeah. It's even if you do not want to solve puzzles or play games at all, the stuff that they have built is it's staggering. They're the, the, the creator Dwayne is he's, he's insane in the very best of ways. Mm. Um, and his staff can build anything. Um, so so the, the Cutthroat Cavern game that Lisa was mentioning, before you go in, the, the game master will tell you, there's going to come a point in this game where you're probably going to want to take your shoes off. You should do that. And I was like, wait, what? Like, how will I know? And she was like, you'll know. Yeah. And <laughs> it, I'm going to dangle that there. But I mean, it's it's like the, playing this game truly feels like that 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 feeling that you had when you were a kid and you were watching the Goonies and you were like, I want to be a Goonie. This is that you get you get to do it, um, and, and it doesn't even cost that much. Um, it's 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 so cool what these guys have built. And then there's some other incredible companies on this tour too. Um, in New Orleans, um, mm-hmm. there's Escape My Room, which has some of the most immersive sets and themes and stories we've seen. I mean, the entire company is is fully themed and fully immersive um, from the front door to the exit to the game masters. All of the individual games exist in a single unified um, world with its own lore that you can take in as you desire. And the first time you ever go to Escape My Room, you have one of the most wonderful experiences. Yeah. It's a spoiler to say anymore. Okay. Yeah. Um, but this this is like as far as like I hold Escape My Room in terms of like Im- immersive immersive entertainment. They're one of the top venues I've I've ever visited. I think of them in the same regard that I have for like Then She Fell. Um, oh, cool. It's it's just this is a company that's doing something unique and executing it to the highest degree that they can, and it's it's. It's a beautiful and wonderful experience. And we, we recommend when people go there that they go at least a half hour early so that they can enjoy the lobby. Because mm. the yeah. lobby is like a museum of curiosities on its own. Well, and, and then on the, on, the, on the New Orleans tour, like, is there, I mean, are you guys just like running from like space to space to space? Or is there time? Because like, there's a good I, amount of downtime as well. Oh, good. Because um, there's a lot to Orleans, do in New Orleans. You have to do yeah. New Orleans. You have to yeah. do the gumbo. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's spread out. You'll play two games on Friday afternoon or evening, uh, depending. And then you'll play two games on Saturday morning. All of those are in New Orleans. You'll have your Saturday afternoon completely free. Um, Saturday evening, there's going to be a full group event. Um a yet unannounced immersive event, but it's going to be much more immersive theatery than uh, than than puzzly. Okay. Yeah, and it's gonna it's gonna definitely be New Orleans. Yeah, it's gonna be one of those things that like could only happen in New Orleans. Okay. And then Sunday is going to be a full day bus tour to Baton Rouge uh, to play Thirteenth Gate, and then the bus will come back to New Orleans on. Sunday night, um, and of course, people can you know 
fly out of Baton Rouge or go off on more adventures or whatever they want to do, come back and spend another day in New Orleans. Yeah, but basically most of Friday, most of Saturday, people are going to be on their own to explore all sorts of things. And we've cultivated a, you know, for all the people who attend, we have, um, we've put together a giant document that points out all sorts of fun, immersive things and restaurants and all sorts of stuff you can, can and, you know, should do in New Orleans. And updated since last year when people found awesome things. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah that's what, one of the things we do for all of the tours is we we put together you know, we'll 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 find all the we'll, we'll find you know good rates on hotels. We'll figure out where you should stay, and then we'll we'll recommend food and drink and all sorts of other stuff to fill all the rest of your time because people are there for an adventure. Yeah, well, and you're you're being tour guides when you do that, so mm-hmm. you know, like it's like anyone could just say like, oh, these four games. But if you're gonna be selling a weekend, you know, you gotta give that a little extra thingy thing. Um, all right. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a lot of stuff. We've been at this for a while, actually. I know we had, we had talked about maybe kind of getting into kind of like recreating a conversation we had the other day about sort of lore. Um, but I think we've actually, we've been, we've been at it for a while. So I think maybe we'll like save that one. Yeah. We'll save the lore discussion for another day. Yeah. Lore. Exactly. Lore. Cause there's a lot, there's a lot, cause, cause yeah, I, that, that, there's, that's today we just stuck with data. What? Today oh, we just stuck day, with oh, data. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> uh, Star Trek Nerdy. Are you guys watching <laughs> Discovery by any chance? So. <laughs> I, I have not. Not? Not even like I first have, season? I haven't watched it yet because I, I just haven't signed up for the CBS All Access stuff. It's, it definitely gets, it gets good. And I'm really curious what second season is going to be like. I'd say, like, if if you're not on board yet, uh, I, I could have made a beam up joke there. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, yeah, hold out through second season, and then if if people really, I'll tell you if second season becomes what I think it's going to be, and if it is, then I'll be like, yeah, just just grab it for a month. binge it and then dump it you know in general i tend to wait until there are a few seasons of a show out there before i get invested in them i i like to stay i like to stay current in cultural conversation it's actually one of the reasons why like i don't love the netflix model because there can be no real discussion about a show when all the episodes dump it once and then you know you don't know where anyone is in it like it's way mm-hmm. easier on a weekly basis to like know like hey this is where to be caught up on. On the flip side, you know, when you're trying to catch up, like there's nothing better than being able to like binge through uh, and just it's, go. But it's that's funny. I if, in terms of media, for the most part, if I'm watching or reading something, you know, something for fun. I'm just doing it for me. And if I happen to have an interesting conversation with someone about it at some point, like cool, but I, I, I just don't well, have. I'm always doing it for me because I'm way behind. Yeah. You're behind on everything. I haven't seen it unless David told me to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's, it's a mix. Like there'll be things, there'll be things that like, you know, like I know no one else is like, you know, reading or watching, but then, then there's often a great joy. Like I love talking about Riverdale with Juliet Bennett Ryla, or, you know, there's, there's always star Wars stuff to talk about with people. So it, it, it varies, you know? Um, 
It could be, yeah, I don't know. I'll find myself listening to uh, video game podcasts or comic book podcasts. Um, oftentimes, like listening to ones where like I'm not even playing the games they're talking about, but I just kind of want to know what's going on, and so I, I keep up. I keep up that way. I uh, watch, and I'll find myself playing a game. I watch honest trailers, and before they disappeared. Um, I was watching honest video game trailers just so that I could at least be aware of what cultural references were out there. <laughs> that reminds me of someone, like I saw this on Twitter today. Someone was like, it's been three years since I saw the the thing before I saw the parody of the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like it was three years ago since, uh, and, and it's like, yep, that's about right. That is, yeah. that is me. I, I. <laughs> More often than not, if I'm watching a movie, it's because I watched an honest trailer and I was like, wow, I actually want to see that. <laughs> well, if you want to see something after seeing the honest trailer, then you truly want to see it. So, um, <laughs> all right. Well, I will let you two get back to your whiskeys and hopefully some some warmth uh, there back east. And um, we'll do this again sometime. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much Thank for having you. us. Oh, anytime, you two. Anytime. Once again, I want to thank our guests, Elisa and David Spira of Room Escape Artist. You can find them at roomescapeartist.com. Of course, you already know that because it's Room Escape Artist. Hi. Um, hey, look, I just recorded a version of this ending that I really didn't like. So delete. Uh, and what you're going to get instead is this. You're just going to get the brass tacks. It was, I was whining too much. Um, all the, all the media layoffs today have got me like on my media rant. And then like, you know, I said it and then I was like, all right, I've said my piece. It's like, it's like the deleted tweet of endings of the show. Here's what you need to know about. All right. I, I, I want to bring us on an up note, not a down note, because these these can be harrowing times. There's two things. One, something that I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, which would be really useful. We're doing an industry report. We are releasing an industry report at the Immersive Design Summit next month in San Francisco. It is going to be available free to the public, to everyone, not just attendees. All right. Look, the building we're in. Only hold so many people, and we've had to turn away far more people, like double the number of people, almost triple the number of people. No, no, turn away, double, double the number of people that were able to have in the building, and just about every single person that we turned away could easily be in the building. It's not like we're choosing favorites, and people are upset, and like I understand, I, I, I get it. We're working on it. We're working on it for the long haul. You don't have to trust me. You don't have to believe me. I'm just stating as a fact, we are working on that for the long haul because it's not just about one weekend. And one of the ways it's not just about one weekend, I'm wagging my finger, is the industry report, which again, we're giving away to everyone. There is a survey for the industry report to make this thing as useful as possible. We need data because it's great to talk about anecdotes and the stories and say, oh, there's all these wonderful shows or to take the data that Catherine and Rachel Stoll and other folks assembled based on the old no pros and said like, this is how many things have been like in the last year. 
that's all great to talk about scope that way, but we also need to talk about how much money this stuff makes. We need to talk about impact in different ways as well. Assemble into the report, and then when producers and creators and academics are sitting down across from the people who write checks and write laws, they can slap this thing down on the table and say, this is the industry standard report. This is from the people, and this is what's up with this whole thing. And here's why you should take this chance on this crazy sounding project. Crazy to them, not crazy to us because we know the value, but they don't. And day after day after day, whether it's talking to the permit team over at Leia or it's having conversations with speakers for the IDS, anything that might happen in a given week, what I am very cognizant of is the fact that People still don't understand our world, even though our world, without a doubt, is a key to saving the goddamn future. Um, okay. We need creators and producers to participate in the survey. Um, the data is going to only be available in aggregate. Uh, Ricky Briganti is writing the report. He'll see the data. I'm editing him, so that means I'll be checking the data. We might bring in one more person to like look at the numbers, but those are the people who are going to have access to the information. People can submit anonymously, right? If they're uncomfortable saying like, hey, this is my show and this, they can also tell us exactly who and what. They can answer the degrees of the questions they want to. We do ask money questions in there. Does it feel really weird to ask these questions? Oh yeah, oh, this is strange. Do we have plans to sell the data off? Just told you we are giving away the report, which includes the reports on the data. Taking someone's individual data and selling it off, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I almost wish I did, but on the other hand, I hate that nonsense at a deep, deep degree. Indeed, the idea that we can create derivative profiles of consumers um, and thus target them, micro-target them with advertising is the thing that is killing the very industry in which I work to make my living, all right? So enough with that noise. Oh, sorry, I said I wasn't gonna be angry. Uh, obviously, obviously can't keep certain promises these days. That's one of them. Um, here's the up happy note. Um, something I wanna share this week. Um, this week, there was a bi-coastal premiere for uh, the upcoming TNT show, I Am the Night, uh, which stars Chris Pine, who's directed by Patty Jenkins of Wonder Woman fame. Um, also, for those who are like movie snobs, uh, Monster. Hello. Shout out to Monster. Uh, such a good movie. Um they had, uh, you can see, you could have seen some of it uh, on our Instagram, the New York one. Uh, Leah got to go to that. Uh, last night, I got to go to the LA one uh, and check out some of the stuff. The folks from Little Cinema put it on, which is why we were there, uh, because we haven't done a lot of covering of Little, Little Cinema, other than, uh, I think, the Meow Wolf party that happened at Little Cinema. Um, and Little Cinema is a linchpin in New York's um, installation and immersive art scene. And it was a lot of fun to connect with Jay Rinsky uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he invited me out to check out what they did. And they worked with a bunch of local artists. There were, there were artists from uh, Rogue Artist Ensemble who were part of it, local musicians. Uh, and there were also folks coming in from New York. So it was just it was really a, a, a great night. 
uh, I mean, it was, you know, it was a premiere party thing. There was some really interesting performance art pieces that were put up. And there was, a like, a whole, like, immersive container to um, to this one uh, installation piece that you kind of had to go off on a track. And what was really kind of amazing about it was uh, the 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 move the the movie the limited series is about um a, a woman named uh fauna uh hodel if memory is serving right i'm not looking at notes right now i'm talking extemporaneously and what was incredible is while we were in there in this one installation which was about the show and about um fauna hodel um her daughter was in there with us. And it was this installation art piece that had an interactive element to it where the character um, uh, and uh, came through and, and it, this, this young woman was uh, speaking with the voice of the, uh, the actor who plays Fauna. Um, and watching the watching the daughter of this woman who this show is about interact with an actress who is embodying her mother for a moment. She, she clearly got very emotional and what was nice was to be able to like see her later. And like, she seemed to be, um, she wasn't, wasn't disturbed by the experience. From what, from what we could tell it moved her greatly. And at one point she's like with her, with her, friends and family were there with her and, and sort of had this moment. And it, it felt like we were being, there was a little strange because it felt like we were intruding on this incredibly personal moment. Um, and it reminded me uh, of the sheer power of this. Now you're not always going to be making a piece of art about a person and their family's going to be there and etc. But that level of connection, that level of, of being able to reach down deep into a strata of what is very real. Maybe we talk about authenticity. Maybe we talk about empathy. We have these words we use that fail to describe what is essentially a feeling of deep humanity. That we're coming at in this side real way. And it just, it'd been a moment since I got to witness someone have that kind of moment, let alone have one of, of my own. And it's, it's not necessary to always go chasing ones of my own. Like that's, that's not the point. Um, the point is finding that happening for others and i just want to i just want to thank jay for um letting me be there in that moment it's why we do what we do and so it's it's good to have that again see this is way better than the angry rant i'm already feeling better (laughs) i feel better already all right um let's do the end of the show here we go Family Arts gives us office space. Our sustaining backers are Jan Budben, Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hurstan, Mark Baltazar, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. 
The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The managing editor of No Persinium is Catherine Yu. I'm Noah Nelson, your host. And until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>